Let's give it up one more time for Susie. Y'all can do better than that. Come on, give her another round of applause. Y'all can do better. Yeah, they were seeing some amazing things. Uh, we sent a team to Indonesia actually right before uh, Living Hope sent a team. And when we sent a, a team of, uh, how many people was it, Eunice, do you remember? Eleven? So we sent a team of eleven, and they came back with crazy testimonies of the blind seeing, of the lame walking, of a woman in the wheelchair. No one touched her, but all of a sudden she just got up and started walking in one of our services. And so for Susie to come back with even more testimonies just shows that God's going from glory to glory. He always loves to outdo himself. Amen. (laughs) Man, God is good. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of first Corinthians, the first letter of Paul to the church in Corinth. You know, Susie touched on something really key, and it's something that I'm going to kind of talk about in maybe a more of a smaller scale or maybe in a different way. But she said that if you want gold, you have to dig. That that is that if you want to see God's power manifest, if you want to see God's glory, if you want to see the signs and wonders and miracles, if you want to see God move in your life, you first have to choose to dig. Right. Many of us, we, we know that God is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, and we know that God is, quote-unquote, sovereign. But we use that excuse of God being sovereign to just put it on God to make all the decisions. God, why don't you move in my life? God, why don't you touch my family? God, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? God, you know I need this. Why don't you do this? God, why don't you bring my spouse already? Mm. We expect God to move in some supernatural sovereign way in every single area of our life. But if we if we want gold, we have to dig. Right. You know, the cool thing about God is he's like, you want gold. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you a shovel. You know. (laughs) Today, I want to talk to you about decisions. The title of this message is actually make a decision. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. The title is Make a Decision. I want to talk to you about decisions, about choices, about the determination in our hearts that we make. One thing about our generation, one thing about, you know, the people in this day and age, we have a lot of excuses. We make a lot of excuses. Anytime it comes time for us to make a decision, we like to put it on something else, you know. Oh, well, Marcus, will you do this? Uh, Maybe. If it doesn't happen, whose fault is it? Well, if I say maybe, it's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. But if I make a decision, then I got to take responsibility for it, you know? And responsibility can be hard. You know, decisions are important because decisions determine what you will demonstrate in your life. Decisions determine what will manifest in your life. The decisions that you make determine what you will experience, what you will see, what will manifest. And decisions, they have actually, they're made up of two key parts. 
And I want you to get this. This is real complex. Decisions are made of two key parts. Decisions are made up of a no and made up of a yes. Decisions are made up of yes and no. In order for you to make any decision, you have to say no to something and you have to say yes to something else. Right? If I'm going to exercise, if I'm going to say yes to getting in shape, that means I got to say no to being lazy. Mm. That means I'm going to have to say no to Facebook and Instagram and everything else that takes up all my time. If I'm going to say yes to getting in shape, that means I got to say no to being idle. But that also means I need to say yes to some discomfort. That means I have to say no to comfort, complacency, chilling. What about marriage? You know, when a person gets married, you know, it would be something if the groom got up on the, he got up there and he's standing before his bride and he's like, okay, so I'm going to say I do. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to say no to every other lover. What kind of, what kind of marriage would that be? No, if, if a person gets married, they're saying, I'm saying yes to this particular person. And I'm saying no to everything else. You know, because like I said, decisions determine what you will demonstrate, what will be manifested in your life. If he says yes to his wife, but also maybe to everyone else, what kind of love is demonstrated in that marriage? It's not much of one, right? But see, the thing is, in the church, we got a lot of people who say yes to Jesus and maybe to everything else. Satan comes with a little temptation. And from Monday to Saturday, we say, hmm, well, maybe. Maybe. But then on Sunday, yes, Jesus, Lord, I offer my life to you. Everything I've been through. How's the rest of it go? Use it for your glory. There it is. <laughs> Discouragement comes and we say maybe. But then we want to say yes to encouragement. Some of us actually were the other way around. We say no to the world, but then we say maybe to the goodness of God. But God wants you today to start making some decisions. Some real decisions. See, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians, he, he presents the church in Corinth with a decision. And I want you to look at chapter 2. And we're going to read from verses 1 to 5. Everyone say, make a decision. I want to tell you, making a decision for me is one, is one of the hardest things for me to do sometimes. My temperament, if you know the four different temperaments, my temperament is a sanguine phlegmatic. A sanguine is someone who wants everyone to like them. And a phlegmatic wants everyone to live at peace with them. And they're really laid back. And so my temperament normally is like, if someone asks me, what do you want to eat for dinner? I'm going to be like, well, what do you want to eat? You know, it's like so hard. Like so many of my friends have just been like, Marcus, what's wrong with you? Make a decision already. I'm, okay, I guess we'll eat some chicken. 
Like you always say that. I'm like, it's, it's my fallback. Anyways, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to talk about making decisions. I'm going to, we're going to read all together. We're going to read from verses 1 to 5. Just, just read along with me. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me pray for us really quickly. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you, God, that that Lord, that today, God, you are empowering the people in this room, Lord, to make better decisions, specifically, God, to make decisions that will demonstrate your spirit and your power in the earth. God, Father, I pray that today when the word goes out, Lord, that it would be sharper than any double edged sword, that God, it would cut off the works of the soul. It would divide between soul and spirit, God, and discern the very intentions of our heart, Lord. And God, that we will walk out of this place changed. I bind every work of the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And God, I pray for your anointing to fall in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, I want to talk to you about decisions. And in verse 1 and 2, Paul's speaking to the church in Corinth. I've given you background before, right? Corinth was a place that was all about who was the most persuasive. Who had the best argument? Who could, who could come with the loftiest wisdom or the best, who was the best orator? You know, I like the way that this person preaches. I like this person's doctrine. You know, Corinth was this place that put so much worth on wisdom. And Paul comes to them and he says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided... The KJV says, I determined, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Stop right there. See, Paul approaches the people in Corinth. And before this time, he's already talked to them about the foolishness of God being wiser than 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 man's wisdom, about the weakness of God being stronger than man's strength. But he comes to him now and he says, I want you to know that when I came to you, I made a decision. When I came to you, I made a decision not to approach you with lofty speech and wisdom. Like I said, the entire culture was predicated on pleasing people with wise words, with eloquent words, eloquent wisdom. I can think of so many times as a preacher that I would feel pressure in the past, like wanting to come up with a sermon that people would say was wise. That someone afterwards would come up to me and say, you know, Pastor Marcus, that was a good word. That was a good word right there. Mm, that was the bomb. That set me free so I could go home and feel better about myself. But the Lord broke me of that on missions. Because on missions, you, only, you have like, you're told you're preaching like five minutes before. And you're praying in tongues the whole time you're up there. And then you're hoping God gives you a word. And then you just say random stuff. And God's power shows up and people get healed. And it's real crazy. 
But see, in Corinth, the culture of debate, it was predicated on pleasing people through wise words. The word lofty, actually, it means eloquent words. It actually means distinguished words. But, you know, and Paul, he of all people, he could have came to them with persuasive words. Paul could have came to them with the best words. Actually, in Second Peter, Peter talks about what Paul wrote. And he said, some of the things that Paul writes in his letters are hard to understand. You know, you read your Bible and a lot of Christians, you feel bad about yourself because you don't know what what the writers are talking about. But Peter, an apostle, said that what Paul writes about is impossible to understand. You know, Paul could have come to them with some really wise words. He could have come to them with the best teaching of the day. He could have come to them with worldly wisdom because he knew that in the world system, in the world's ways, that was what was going to win them over. He knew that 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 could be the approach that he could use. He even says that he's the most he's the most educated. He's the best equipped to come at them like that. In the book of Philippians, he calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. He says that I was I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I was taught by the best teachers. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Like Paul saw himself so highly that even the day he was circumcised was like a holiday. Like, do you understand, like the kind of he had all the credentials And he says, I could come to you with everything that the world would say was high and lofty. But instead, I decide to come to you. I decide to know only Jesus. I decide to come to you with only what the world would say is foolishness. But God calls wise. Jesus. He says, when I come to you, I'm saying No to the worldly ways. I'm saying no to the world's ways of wisdom. I'm saying no to the world's ways of doing things. But I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes. I only want to know Christ and him crucified. I want to ask you, are you saying no to the world's system? No to the world's ways? No to the world's ways of esteem? Are you? Are you saying maybe? Many believers during the week, we say maybe to everything else in the world. But then on Sunday, we want to say yes to Jesus. We say maybe to everything that's outside. But when we come into the house of God, then that's the day we want to say yes. You know, I'm reading this book called Boundaries. You ever read this book before? It's called Boundaries. It's about setting proper boundaries in your life. Apparently, most people, when they read this book, they all get like unbelievably like angry because they realize like everybody's been all up in my peace. Like everybody's been all up in my boundaries. Like, stop calling me. You in my boundaries. Like, stop text messaging me. I don't you know, I was reading it. And one thing it said about about boundaries, it said that no is the most central boundary that we learn in our lives. That the ability to say no to something is the most powerful boundary that we can have in our lives. But the problem is, is that many believers have an inability to say no. We say no to all the wrong things. God wants to move in your life in power. No. God wants to provide. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. No. Maybe. 
God wants to bring healing and deliverance into every area of your life. He has died on the cross for your sins. Maybe I'm not. No. Satan comes and says, you're alone. You have nothing. Why don't you use the world system? Why don't you try and use this way? Why don't you jeopardize your dignity and integrity? And most of us say, well, maybe. Mm, Okay. You ever knew someone who could never say no and always said yes? Or maybe they said maybe to everything. Isn't that frustrating? Hey, you you want to hang out tomorrow? Hmm, maybe. <laughs> Snap, I just got convicted. You ever, you ever talk to someone and, and every answer they give to you is noncommittal? Hmm, maybe. Uh, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. But you know, if you can't say no, if you can't say no in an effective manner, you can never say yes in an intentional one. You know, if you can never say no and mean it, you can never say yes and mean it. If everything that you always say is a maybe, then when you say yes, that yes, that yes is getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. People come to me and say, Pastor, well, I'm struggling with all these things and all these things are coming at me and I don't know what to do about it. I'm just, just say no. It's, it's like dare in the States, you know, like. In America, they had this, you know, drug abuse. I forgot what the RE stand for, but resistance education. I don't know who came up with that. Drug abuse resistance education. And it was all about just say no. You know, have you ever played this game Monopoly deal? When we were in Thailand, a lot of us were getting attacked left and right. People were getting discouraged. They were feeling bad and all these different things. And then one day, Pastor Aaron, she pulls us in and she's like, you know, a Monopoly deal. You've got this one card. People come in. They try to they try to take your property. Monopoly deal is like the game of Monopoly, but with cards. It's really it's really fun. If you ever want to play, you know, I'll play. I'll, I'll take your property. Um, but. <laughs> You play Monopoly deal and she's like, people come in and they try to take your property. They try to take your things and, but you can never stop them. But in Monopoly deal, you get one card. It's the just say no card. It doesn't matter how many times they come in. They could come and try and take your park place. But if you got that just say no card, you may "Mm -mm -mm," just say no. And then they can't. And God has put in each one of our hands a just say no card, but none of us use it. Satan comes in and takes your property. He takes your your joy. He takes your happiness. He takes God's provision and God's plan and purpose and destiny for your life. And instead, he gives you the world's ways. And many of us say, well, look what I'm stuck with now. When God wants you to learn how to say just no. When you learn how to say no to the enemy, then you can say yes to Jesus. When you say no to the ways of the world, then you can turn and say yes to Jesus. When Satan comes in with all his temptations and all his ways, when you are able to stand up and say no to that. 
Jesus looks and he's ready for that yes. See, many of us, we, we misunderstand grace. Many of us think that grace is to cover us when we make bad decisions. Grace is to cover me when I, when I said maybe, when I should have said no. But, you know, grace is actually not about covering you in your bad decisions. It's about empowering you to make good ones. See, grace was actually about empowering you to say yes to Jesus and no to Satan. That's what grace is really about. You know, Paul here, he comes to the church in Corinth and he has every reason to come to them in worldly ways. He has every reason to come to them in the world wisdom, the world's esteem. But he says, I've decided to know nothing else but Jesus and him crucified. He said, I could come with any other way, but I choose Christ. I choose to know him on the cross and him only. Why? Because he understood that it was that decision that would empower him to demonstrate the spirit and empower. After he makes this decision, that's when he says, I came to you in weakness and fear and in trembling, not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit and power. Many of, we all want the spirit and power to come in. We all want God's glory, God's power to break through in our lives. We all want that increase, that promotion. Can I get an amen? amen. We all want God to show up. But before you can expect God to show up, you first got to make that decision. We want God's power and joy to come into our lives, but we can't say no to discouragement. Too many of us say maybe to discouragement, which makes it impossible for us to say yes to God's encouragement. We say maybe to lust and pornography, and that makes it really hard to say yes to God's presence and his love. All of a sudden, what we're wanting to demonstrate is not what we're really wanting to see demonstrated in our lives. We're looking back over the course of our lives and we're wondering why and how did I get to this point? And usually in that moment, it's when we want to blame God. God, I thought I was your child. I thought that I thought that I I thought you were going to give me everything. I thought. When the truth of the matter is, is that. God's given you everything you need for life and godliness. God has given you his good and precious promises. God has given us everything we need. Even as I said during, during corporate intercession, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God has given us his spirit. He's given us his freedom. The question is, are you going to make a decision for it? Are you going to be decisive? Are you going to say no to the things that have been holding you back? No to the chains that have been holding you back and say yes to the freedom that God actually has for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he took responsibility for our sin. We're bought, we're bought with a price. But when God put his spirit inside of us, he gave us responsibility for our lives.
See, a church that will demonstrate God's spirit and power. And a church that will go out to see people change, see nations change, is a, is a church that knows that they need to say no to some things. They have the strength, the courage, the spirit to say no to the ways that have held them back and to say yes to the freedom and the blessing and the promise that God has. See, God wants many of us were so used to saying maybe to the wrong things. Maybe I'll fall into sin tomorrow. Maybe God's blessing me today, but maybe he won't tomorrow. I'm encouraged today, but maybe I won't be tomorrow. But that's not faith. And God doesn't want you to live a a Christian life that's defined by maybe. The Bible actually says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And what that means is, that doesn't mean like, well, my, I said yes, that means yes. Like, I used to get so confused. Like, why would you say it twice? It means that when you say yes, you've made a decision. You've made a determination that you are affirming. You are saying yes to the things that you're saying yes to. You're saying yes to God. And when you say no, you're actually saying no. You're not saying maybe. You know, when a believer comes into the house of God and all they say is maybe, they stay a baby believer. Because they're never able to make that decision to step forward into a new level. We make an announcement every week about leadership, right? And I talk to people about leadership and people think sometimes... It's easy to think, you know, I'm the pastor of the church. You're thinking, oh, this guy's just trying to recruit me. He just wants me to sign my name right there. I see your schemes, pastor. See you. You know? But you getting on, you making that decision does not affect me. It affects you. And it affects you and everyone whom God has entrusted to you. See, when Paul said that I made this decision to know Christ... And only his crucifixion. So that when he came, he would come with a demonstration of the spirit and power. The next thing he said was so that their faith would rest upon the power of God and not man's wisdom. See, when you make a decision and you make a real decision for what God's calling you to, it's not for the person who's encouraging you. It's for you and it's for your children. See, Satan comes at our generation because he wants to cut out any generational blessing. He knows that if we are maybe believers, if we're maybe Christians, if everything that we do is not committing, then he knows that to our children, we won't make the commitments necessary for them to grow up in righteousness. He knows that we won't carry everything that we need to carry to the very ends of the earth. But when we make a decision, we say yes, and we stand by that yes, and we don't let any discouragement or any way we're feeling that day or any lie of the devil come in the way of that yes. And those are the people that God, that go out and carry God's power.
Those are the people that carry God's faith, God's strength, because that yes is marked by faith. Paul said, when I came to you, I came in weakness, in fear and in trembling. And those are the three things that hold most of us back. That word weakness in the Greek, it doesn't just mean to feel weak physically. It also means to feel weak in your soul. To feel weak mentally, emotionally, also physically. That, that many believers, we feel like, we feel that we're weak and we're hurt. We're, need, we're in need of someone's affection and someone's encouragement. The second thing he said, he said, I come to you in fear. That word actually means absolute terror. <laughs> scared. Many of us, we don't make decisions because we're scared. It's weird. Sometimes make a decision to eat dinner at night, I won't make a decision because I'm afraid that, that if I get a, a pita, it won't be as good as McDonald's. I know that sounds weird. I'm just being real. <laughs> Many of us don't make a decision to commit to what God's calling us to out of fear. We're afraid that if we get to the place where God's actually calling us to, we'll fail. Not knowing that as it says in Jude, it's him. Now to him who's able to present us in his presence, spotless and blameless with great joy. It's God who, who, is, who works in us. And the third thing is with trembling. Many of us, that's, that's the biggest thing. The word tremble, that actually means that inadequacy. Feeling so inadequate to the call of God that, that you would either do religious duty to try and, try and get there or you would just rebel and turn away from it altogether. And the funniest thing, though, is Paul lists these three things. But then he still says he comes with the demonstration of the spirit and power. So many people come and they say, I feel weak. I feel fearful. I feel inadequate. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? You know what Paul did? Three words. Get over it. It's not about having another inner healing session, another deliverance session. It's not about having to take a whole year for you to work through your issues, for you to take that step of faith. God just says, get over it. Sometimes I look at Pastor Christian and I wonder, I'm like, how does he do some of the things he does? How is he able to say some of the things he says? You know, like, how is he able to do that? And then I'll sit there and spend time with him. And when he makes himself vulnerable and he shares, he shares that times he feels weak and he's afraid and he feels inadequate. But I realize every single time he makes a decision to say no to that and yes to what God has for him. He makes a decision and says, you know what? I may feel weak. I may be afraid. I may feel inadequate. But you know what? I'm going to get over it. Because I believe in Christ and what Christ has done on the cross and his crucifixion. That that is more power. That is more than enough power for me to do what God is calling me to do. God has put his spirit in me. It is more than enough. So I'm just going to get over it. The next time Satan comes at you and says you're weak. Says you should be, a, you should be afraid. Says you're inadequate. You should say, shut up, Satan. I'm getting over it. Real simple. 
For us to step into our destiny, it takes a determination for us to say, no matter what obstacle comes our way, no matter what mountain, we're just going to get over it. No matter what comes your way, just get over it. Make a decision. Stick with it. Let's pray. going to give some of you a chance to respond I know there's many of you who walked into here today this afternoon and you come in here with a yes in your heart for Jesus you want to know God you want to know more You desire him. Your love may be weak, but it's still true. Yet, every time something comes up, every time temptation comes, every time discouragement comes, every time a lie of the enemy comes your way, instead of saying no, you say maybe. When he says, you're not going to get that job, you're not going to see your family saved you're not going to see these things that you've been praying for instead of saying no you say maybe i feel like god wants to empower you today and he's going to give you a fresh grace a fresh grace to say yes to him again and to say no to the things of the world that's you I want you to make a decision right now and I want you to just stand to your feet I want everyone to close your eyes if that's you if there's if that's what you've been struggling with that's what you've been going through and today you want to make that determination in your heart to know nothing else but Christ to know nothing else but him you're tired of saying maybe to the world And you're ready to start saying no. I want you to just stand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's also some of you who you've grown you've grown up in the church. You've grown up in, in an environment where you've known you've known the Lord. And you and you don't it's easy for you to say no to the world. There's some of you in this room where it's easy for you to say no to the world, but it's even harder for you to say yes to God. You say no to the world, it's so easy, but when God comes and puts something on your heart, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is maybe. When he's looking for a yes. And if that's you, I want you to stand I want you to make a decision. I want you to stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. 
If you're standing, I want you to just put your hand over your heart. And I want you just to begin to pray right now. And I want you to begin to, I want everyone in this room to pray. But if you're standing, I want you to pray. And I want you to begin to make that decision, verbalize that decision before God. Say, God, God, this is what I'm saying yes to. And God, this is what I'm saying no to. God, I'm saying no to discouragement. I'm saying no to the world. I'm saying no to these lies. And God, I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to your blessing. I'm saying yes to your encouragement. I've decided to know you and only you, God. Right now, just begin to start praying that out loud. And if you're seated, I want you to just begin praying right now. But start praying that God's grace would begin to fill this place. That God's empowerment, his spirit begin to fill this place. Everyone, let's just pray together. Let's pray. Yes, Fresh grace, God. Fresh grace in this place right now, God. Fresh grace, God. New decisions, God. Fresh grace, God. Lord, a fresh grace, God. Fresh grace, God. We say no to discouragement. We say no to fear. We say no to weakness. We say no to lies of inadequacy, God. We say no more to the world's ways, the world's systems, God. Fresh grace, fresh grace, God, fresh encouragement, God, fresh empowerment, God, fresh empowerment, God. Father, I pray right now for every person, Lord, that is standing, God. And Father, I release a fresh grace over them right now in Jesus' name. I release a fresh grace, God, Lord, an empowerment, God, to say no, Lord, to discouragement, to say no to fear, God, to say no, Lord, to weakness, God, to say no to the lies of the enemy, God, and to say yes to you, Lord. Father, that they would desire to know nothing else, God, but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. God, I speak a fresh grace, God, for them to take those steps of faith, God, for them to step into new levels, God, and I decree and declare, God, that nothing will hold them back. I decree and declare over them, God, that the lies that have held them back in the past season are being put to death. I decree and declare, God, every lie, every lie, God, that has held them back, God, is falling to the ground right now in Jesus' name. And God, I declare, God, that that they're getting over it. They're getting over it, God. And God, I thank you, Lord, that your grace will be there to meet them, Lord. Your blessing will be there to meet them, God, as they get right on over it. 
of fresh grace in here right now. Just receive it. Just receive it. I just declare over you that you're going to, there's going to be new clarity. No more confusion. That weakness and that fear, it brings so much confusion, but there's a new clarity that's coming over you right now. The Lord's highlighting to you decisions that he wants you to make. Decisions he's already been speaking to you about. Decisions that you were supposed to make. And he's saying there's a fresh grace to make that decision again. There's a fresh grace to make that commitment. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just bless every person in this room. I pray that this campus would be marked by people who are decisive in faith, God. That choose you, God, in faith, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. I bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take your seats.